0: To tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for joining us here on the program. We have a very fascinating program. I think you're going to enjoy this. Uh, it's for everybody, including yours truly. You talk about a therapy session. Well, today is going to be uh, just another one of those great therapy sessions, as I like to call my programs, here on Tell Me Your Story, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true with our special guest here on the program. Uh, her name is Dr. Amy Saltzman, MD, and um, she is with us here to talk about the work that she is doing regarding mindfulness for not just athletes, but all kinds of folks, peak performance and finding flow in sports and life. It's a still small place. And in this case, the book I have in front of me is for athletes. Uh, Dr. Amy, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. It's really a pleasure to have you here. And I'm I'm looking forward to, as I hope our listeners are, of learning an awful lot from you so happy to be with you now first of all uh, the, the just the title and your website uh, is also a still a a, 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 um, a still quiet place correct so it's
1: actually still quiet place no a no just a. In case. So stillquietplace.com.
0: still quiet place. com. excellent and we will be linked to your website as well I always like to let both the, uh, the 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 guest as well as our listeners know that they can go to your website still quiet to find out more Um We talk about that all the time. Uh, One of our slogans here is encouraging people to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we encourage people to go within to that still quiet place to calm down, to relax, to find some peace and tranquility, even if it's just for, as one of my guests said, even if it's just for 60 seconds. And listen to that still small voice How did this concept come to you?
1: Well, I had been teaching mindfulness to adults. Uh, I started by teaching mindfulness to adults with chronic pain and chronic illness when I was in my residency. And then when my kids were born, I started teaching to parents. And then one day, sitting uh, on the floor in the hallway... Uh, my son became upset because I'd said no about something and without ever really knowing what I was uh, about to start, I said, would you like to do a feelings meditation? And he said, yes. And I guided him through a practice for getting in touch with your feelings, which helps children and adults have their feelings without their feelings having them. And uh, thus, began my teaching of mindfulness to children three and up. So I now say I teach mindfulness to children from three to 93. And, um, I wanted to translate, uh, mindfulness and the idea of pure awareness into something that kids could understand.
0: Well, uh, I, there's only one, one fly in the ointment as far as I see it. And, you're asking guys to 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 uh, show their feelings? That is so contrary to what our stereotypical world... Uh, I'm not supposed to show my feelings, Amy.
1: Well, you have the choice of whether you're going to show your feelings or not, but your feelings are there. And if you can bring some kind and curious attention to your feelings then you will have a lot more choice about whether you show them, when you show them, how you show them. But if we, and I don't think it's just guys, but if we pretend that our feelings aren't there or we magnify them in a way that uh, like, we're kind of overwhelmed by them, neither one of those habits is particularly helpful and so again learning to have your feelings be aware of your feelings without your feelings having you without your feelings driving what you say and do uh kind of automatically and without your feelings driving your physiology can be super helpful.
0: And that is a big one right there because we do tend to uh, get uh, stuck, if you will, in our emotions many times. I mean, my, a case in point for me was uh, in uh, 1999, I stand corrected, 1998, I was, uh, I was served, at, interestingly enough, it was actually on the first day of May which kind of gave a whole new meaning to the phrase mayday, I was served with divorce papers. And I was a basket case for a month. Now, I'm an intelligent guy. I work an awful lot in my logical brain. Couldn't find it for a month. And it wasn't until we got to the first second of June, I came out of that fog. And I'm going, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold it. Hold the phone. So it's easy to get stuck. And for some people, it can be for months or even years for that matter, maybe even their entire lifetime.
1: Yeah, and I think we want to have compassion for those moments of intensity. There are things that definitely rock our world. And even with extensive mindfulness practice, there are things that can kind of throw us for a loop. And that which is basically sitting breathing, saying hello to the feeling that's present, actually feeling how the feeling feels in your body. You know, is it warm, is it cool, big, small, moving still, being a little bit playful with it and noticing or imagining if the feeling has a color or colors and a sound or sounds. And then sometimes asking the feeling what it wants or needs from you. And if it's something you can't provide, then maybe having a dialogue with the feeling about what you can provide, Uh, you know, and journaling, writing music for some people exercising. But most of us are so busy or so much externally directed, like on our screens, that Often just making some time to be real with ourselves and check in with ourselves is a is a healthy first step.
0: Well, I, I have to say that in my own personal experience over the years, I have been around a whopping 61. Just a, a flicker <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have watched others get stuck. I have even been asked uh, to... And this was kind of the way that it it, it was phrased. Uh, I, I need you to um, be my tether, okay? Because I tend to float away uh, in terms of you know going off, uh, maybe emotionally. Uh, although uh, this person also feels as though they're sort of t- caught between two worlds, you know, this one and the next, whatever that whatever that is for them. And they say, I need you to make sure that I don't I don't float away and and disappear somewhere. Uh, and um, I have to say that that particular role in this case, um, I'm willing to do because, you know, I don't want the person to float away and I want them to kind of stay here with us in that respect. But at the same time, don't we often get into what they call codependent situations where we take on a role like that? And then we think that, well, we I need to keep doing this. You know, this person is going through other things now and I need to keep doing this. And we all we darn near sacrifice ourselves, don't we?
1: Yeah, and I think there's a couple things. Um, and and being in touch with our feelings can actually help us discern when it's wise and healthy to serve as someone's tether um, for, for both parties, and when perhaps, it's not so wise and you want to get that person's support so that they have their, their own tether mm. and they can establish their own tether and they can learn to befriend their own feelings and make their own choices. And there's a time and a place to ask for help. There's a time and a place to provide help or support or friendship or just presence and There are times and ways where we're um, enacting patterns that aren't so healthy. And so sitting with ourselves and listening, as you said, to that still small voice lets us discern, is this healthy for me? Is it healthy for the other person? Is it healthy overall? Or is it recreating patterns that aren't so beneficial?
0: We're talking with Amy Saltzman, and uh, she has a website. It's called stillquietplace.com. We encourage you to go there. I also want to talk about uh, the various books that you have available. In this case, in front of me is uh, still A Still Quiet Place for Athletes, and we will talk about that and uh, those other realms as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I'm your host, and we are talking with uh, Dr. Amy Saltzman, and we're talking about uh, going into that still quiet place so that We can find some equilibrium, so we can find some peace of mind. Mindfulness is a huge element. You said that that's kind of how you started uh, with mindfulness. Uh, And it took me a while. I actually had to have numerous guests explain to me (laughs) what what mindfulness is. I I don't want to say was because it's present tense. And I'm very curious as to your definition, your definition based on experience of what Mindfulness has, because uh, some people have mindfulness meditation and so forth, which seems contrary because uh, I first learned about meditation, you got to quiet the mind. Well, how can you have mindfulness meditation if you're supposed to quiet the mind? So explain to us a little bit about your perspectives, uh, your definition, if you will, of mindfulness.
1: Yeah, so hopefully... Um my definition will be pretty simple and graspable. And it's because I do want to share these practices with children. I don't think we need to be uh, 40 and getting divorced or have a heart attack before we learn these skills. So my definition of mindfulness is, and I'm going to give you the whole definition and then I'm going to break it down into pieces. So okay. my definition is Mindfulness is paying attention here and now with kindness and curiosity so that we can choose our behavior. So if we break it down here and now means doing our best to be in the present moment and not obsessing about the past or worrying or fantasizing about the future with kindness and curiosity is the attitude that we bring to ourselves and to our circumstances, because otherwise often we're beating ourselves up or looking for problems. And when I pay attention to myself, to my breath, to my body, to my thoughts, to my feelings, and I pay attention to those around me and the circumstances, then I have all the information that I need to choose my behavior So by taking that time to listen within and befriend myself, I'm much more likely to be able to respond rather than react when things are difficult.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting that you put it that way, because that is what we tend to do is we react, to act again and again the same way, react, uh, to whatever the stimuli is that uh, has, has come our way. And that can be... Uh, a very frustrating uh, circumstance for a lot of folks because it's like, I don't understand why am I doing this again? Uh, You know, it's like I, I, I said the last time this happened, I would never let this happen again. And here it is again. And I will tell you that someone keeps reminding me of this, and I'd love for you to to expound on what I just said, but also this. And they say, and they said it in a loving and kind way. They said, Richard, you wrote this script, this is your movie. And it's like, what? No, 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 no. And yet, well, hey, we create our own reality. I talk about choices and knowledge of those choices and then all of the choices I've made up to this point have put me where I am. So now I have to figure out, okay, how do I make totally different Einsteinian choices, not, you know, not to uh, get into insanity here, uh, To pr- so that I don't do this again. And it's so, it seems like it's so hard, Dr. Amy. It.
1: I mean, it's a challenge, especially if we're 58 or 61, like we have some ingrained habits and we can have compassion and maybe even a sense of humor about that. And there's this beautiful poem uh, called The Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. And I'm going to paraphrase it here. But basically, there's a hole in the middle of the street and the author falls into the hole doesn't know that she's there. It's not her fault. She can't get out. And in the five chapters, it goes through, you know, then she sees, then she falls in and she knows where she is, but she can't get out. Then she falls in um, and gets out quickly. Then she sees it, but still falls in. And then finally she walks down a different street. So what I tell people is often we can't even see the different street, mm-hmm. but if you know that you're repeating a pattern and you're like, oh, I'm doing it again, at least sit down and don't keep walking or don't stand on the precipice of the hole. like, and if you sit down, and especially if it's a dance between you and another person, if you don't do your part of the dance, And I know I'm mixing analogies here. Okay. Then the whole dance changes, right? If you sit down and you don't go into the hole with, with another person that you're involved with, then they're in the hole alone. But you know, I had this woman in one of my parenting classes, and she would say, like, sometimes I can't find the different street. And I said, That's fine. You don't need to find a different street. Like, just sit down on the sidewalk and stop walking towards the hole. And, you know, maybe when you sit down on the sidewalk, you'll see another path or, but at least you won't be in the old familiar hole. And then the whole pattern, you know, if it's a pattern in a partnership, whether it's a romantic partnership or a business partnership or an athletic team, if even one person changes the pattern, then the whole pattern starts to shift.
0: Hmm. Uh, and that's my understanding uh, of the dynamics, especially when it comes to relationships is that, uh, and, and, and we've talked about this uh, before on the program, that when uh, there's an old saying that says you can't change people, other people, you can't change other people. And what I have found is that that isn't true. Now, When I say that, what I, and I'll explain this, you can't change other people intentionally. Okay. In other words, your goal cannot be to change the other person. Now you hear the phrase from especially women I'm going to change him and make him the way I want him to be for me. No, no, no. By virtue of you going through your own personal growth and you changing, like you said, sitting down on the sidewalk instead of continuing to walk toward the hole. You have just changed. And so then the people around you are going to notice this change. And either A, they're going to say, oh, this is interesting. This person is doing something different. I'm going to hang around and see what's happening. And I don't know, maybe I can help or learn something from this person, et cetera. And then there are going to be others who are going to say, oh, my God, I got to get as far away. I I can't deal with this. No way. And I'm, I'm out of here. And they disappear. You've changed them but you've not done it with the intent of doing it. It's just something that naturally happens.
1: No, what's happened is you've responded and hopefully you've responded as skillfully and gracefully and wisely as you can. Mm -hmm. And then they have the choice to either react or respond to you Mm -hmm. and the cycle continues. And if you keep responding and they keep reacting, it's gonna have one outcome. If you respond and they react, and then you react, that's going to have a different outcome. That's probably headed towards the same hole you always fall in. Um, if you respond and they respond, then you're in a whole new dynamic.
0: Yeah. So you and you. So in essence, you have changed the dynamic by your own by your own uh, 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 new choices, by your own responses, as opposed to reactions your own actions as opposed to reactions very very interesting stuff dr amy saltzman md is our guest here on the program and we are talking about a still quiet place i'm gonna get a a a read from you on the various books in this regard uh, a still Quiet Place and stillquietplace.com is the website as we continue talking here on Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true and we're here on Sundays at 7am and 7pm Monday mornings at 1am, Wednesday mornings at 9am, that's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story and uh, we podcast these programs as well uh, at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM Blueberry, iHeartRadio as well, and many other locations. And you can watch these interviews on YouTube. The YouTube channel is Tell Me Your Story, uh, Richard Dugan, and uh, you can watch these interviews. And of course, as I said before, we will be linked to uh, Dr. Amy Saltzman's uh, uh, website, which is stillsmallvoice.com.
1: Still Quiet I'm sorry, what <laughs> am I
0: thinking? Still Small <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'll start that one. Stillsmallvoice.com will be mine. Uh, still Quiet Place is her website, Stillquietplace.com. <laughs> I have too many phrases rolling around in my head. Uh, tell me about these the this series of books that you have, a still quiet Quiet Place 4. What's what's the breakdown? Is it uh, kind of what you described at the front end of the program? Well, there's there's three books,
1: um, A Still Quiet Place, A Mindfulness Program for Teaching Children and Adolescents to Ease Stress and Difficult Emotions. And that's for parents, teachers, counselors who want to share mindfulness with youth. The next one is A Still Quiet Place for teens, mindfulness skills for easing stress and difficult emotions. And the last one is a still quiet place for athletes, mindfulness skills for achieving peak performance and finding flow in sports and in life. And I want to emphasize on this program, both that I love working with athletes, and the in life piece, because I use the same curriculum, if I'm working with individual athletes, or CEOs, um, or if I'm working with athletic teams or business teams and kind of everything in between. So while the lens is sports, the skills definitely apply to all walks of life from parenting to business to sports.
0: So uh, sort of answers my next question, uh, that you could take specifically the the one for athletes, uh, even if you're not an athlete, and it will benefit you as opposed to the one <clears throat> for uh, children uh, and, and parents and so forth, because that sounds like it probably is more geared towards uh, that particular um, group of folks. Or will all three books, regardless of which one you pick up, Be useful. I mean, I have no children, and I'm not an athlete. But if I didn't pick up the one for athletes, but I picked up the other two, would uh, would that be good for me? I think
1: if you want to use it for your personal use, the two that would be most useful are either the teens book or the athletes book. Okay. Um. And if you're a musician, if you're an artist, if you're a dancer, if you're a business person, um, for all. Again, if you're a parent for all those roles, the information in the athlete's book is beneficial. The athlete's book is my last book. And so I feel like it's the most complete. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's probably the most useful. Mm-hmm. And just substitute, you know, music for athletic performance. And uh, if that's your thing mm-hmm. and you'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is it about this work that you do with people, and athletes in particular, certainly, but uh, just in general, the various clientele that you have, the the, the clients that you, you facilitate, if you will, what is it about uh, this work that uh, intrigues you so much that you've been doing it for as long as you have?
1: Um, well, my purposes are preventing and relieving suffering, enhancing health and well being and helping people find joy and flow in the midst of the chaos of daily life. Uh, And that you get to decide how, you know, what your joy and what your flow is, but I want to give people the skills to live the most joyful and fulfilling lives that they can.
0: Well, we are greatly appreciative of the work that you are doing, as well as others that we've had on this program to do just that. And, I also know, too, that uh, some statistics are starting to come out that we are, um, if not in it, if we're not heading toward it, we're already in uh, what would be considered the, the second pandemic. And I'm not talking about a new wave here. I'm talking about a whole different pandemic on the mental health scale, if you will, and realm. Talk to us about... Uh, I mean, it may seem obvious, but maybe not so much to some folks. How did we get here, and how do we get out the other end of the tunnel where there's light?
1: Well, I think there's a couple things. So I want to talk for a minute about the data. So the data for mindfulness shows that it decreases anxiety, depression, stress, uh, and enhances... Uh, empathy, efficacy, uh, it prevents burnout and compassion fatigue. So, you know, all of those things are relevant to the pandemic. And my sense is that how we get out is um, both being, you know, compassionately being where we are, practicing truly excellent self-care and being of service and helping others. Uh, hmm. And I think there's a little bit of, I'm not sure that it's go, you know, it's gonna go back to normal. And so again, this skill of being where we are, accepting the moment as it is, and then being able to choose wisely our next steps uh, is super important.
0: Well, I know people use, have been using the phrase on a regular basis uh, about going, to, going back to the new normal. Uh, I, I, I understand what they mean by that. Uh, I just say, you know, we're just going to continue to move forward uh, into whatever normal becomes kind of thing. Right. Uh, and um, it's interesting how, on an energetic level, this has affected people. I mean, uh, we went through, ostensibly, uh, even though it hadn't officially started, we went through an election cycle during this, this, uh, this pandemic. And we've been in you know, our educational system has been uh, adversely, in one sense, adversely affected, although there are others who have found ways of con- continuing to learn. Uh, our, our medical infrastructure has been strained to the breaking point. Uh, you know, I mean, there are people who have, were in the medical field, especially in, in the ER and, and trauma centers, they've thrown up their hands and walked away saying, I can't do this anymore. This is too damn hard. And I get it. I absolutely under. I understand it from an intellectual level. I've been one of the few fortunate ones uh, that I've been able to continue working straight through. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't affected me uh, in some capacity, uh, because I'm dealing with uh, like everybody else. I, I got to carry a mask with me everywhere I go, and I got to put it on when I go in, and I got to take. I'll take it off when I get out, and. And yet I still try to get out and get some exercise. You know, I try to get out and take my walks if I can, you know, because that's very important. I think one of the things that I thought was real interesting when everybody was being told to stay, stay home, everybody thought it was stay inside. Nobody said you had to stay inside. You go out in your backyard, your front yard, just right. keep your distance kind of thing. And I think that, that if, if better clarification were made And I'm not speaking specifically to the pandemic, but just in general, when we're talking about giving people guidelines to follow for their for their safety, as well as their their better mental, physical, mental and emotional health. I think it needs to be spelled out. Do you think maybe that's part of the problem is that that there have been very few specifics On self care during this time, other than the big three, as I used to phrase it wash up, mask up, and step back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that that was definitely, uh, you know, those are the most important instructions for our physical health. Mm -hmm. But, and I don't know that the people who were giving pandemic instructions we're thinking beyond that to our mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And, um, you know, I think it's important that people know what fills them up in terms of emotional and spiritual health. And it can, again, be playing music or exercise or sitting in your backyard or taking a walk with a friend But knowing those things that you find um, sustaining and meaningful, you know, mindfulness, prayer, uh, you know, whatever, whatever helps you connect, both internally to the stillness and quietness within and to, you know, helps you connect externally to whatever you believe in as well. uh, That's, Those are important practices. And when people were in survival mode at the beginning of the pandemic and figuring out how to work from home and how to help their kids at home who were being, you know, going to school on Zoom, I think some of those things got lost. And I'm hoping that most people now are finding little ways, like you said, even the 60 seconds of breathing and checking in with yourself. To uh, to take care of themselves.
0: Well, uh, you know it's 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 interesting how this process has begun. I mean, I I was um, I was concerned when they said, "Yeah, we we have a pandemic, a global pandemic, and and so forth." And here's what you need to do. I was concerned. I wasn't fearful. Um, and not not because people were saying, oh, it's just like the flu or anything. I, 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 just, I just didn't have that internal sense that this is um, something that I need to uh, be afraid of. I don't need the fear, okay? Concern, okay, is important. That's, that's very valid. But I didn't feel fearful. What I actually felt was rather optimistic because we were doing something different this time. Every time the influenza rolls around, it's business as usual. Uh, Even even after we we got the vaccine for the flu, you know, the flu shot, everybody's supposed to get that. But the other part of it was I thought there are going to be some opportunities that we don't even know about yet. This was back in March and April of 2020 that are going to come about because of this. And it's similar to what you described. I mean, you know, we're, I, I started, I never did video editing before. Now, I have over 200 videos up on YouTube in just a year and a half. Um, and I'm doing video editing. So I've expanded my toolbox, if you will. I've added some more tools. Uh, other people started small businesses, whether it was to make masks and other uh PPI, I guess, is how it is. Protective uh, clothing for medical f- uh, p- personnel because they were running short and so forth. Uh, and and I know that that won't, this is not going to go on forever, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. But other people came up with ways of helping one another. What really astounded me, Dr. Amy, was how the food industry whether it's the hospitality industry or just the providers came out of the woodwork in many many cases to support those in neighborhoods and communities who couldn't get out who uh you know were in need and but it's like really there's a food shortage i don't think so tim uh, there's more than enough to go around. It's really the problem of distribution. And the distribution, it just, in one sense, it kind of went crazy. And it was great. You saw mankind taking care of its own instead of eating its own, as seems to have <laughs> been the case in certain, certain realms. We won't go there. Um, what, what, is, what is it about? um how do i phrase this what is it about those kinds of challenges whether it's a pandemic a hurricane an earthquake uh, fire etc etc that that fosters that kind of human kindness that for whatever reason isn't there when there is no big challenge that we face Well, i think
1: those challenges demand that we reset our priorities. And, you know, there is a way where the pandemic has us looking at our mortality. And it's like, that is that helps us consider what really matters, and who do I want to be? And how do I want to show up in the world? And I think the other element of of a truly global pandemic is Um, That there are elements of compassion and self-compassion that are based on what's called common humanity, which means understanding that you are and I am and everyone else is a human being who has joy and sorrow and dreams and fears. And, um, you know, when we remember our common humanity, we can be kinder to ourselves and kinder to other people.
0: Mm. Well, um, the other element of it, too, I, I, and this kind of goes to um, uh, sh- sharing our feelings and, and expressing our feelings uh, and the stereotypes and so forth. And what I find fascinating is how some people cannot seem to s- express what they need. It's always some kind of cryptic thing. You know, I mean, especially when you talk about the dynamics, let's say, in a a two-party relationship where, uh, you know, one of them uh, makes this cryptic comment about uh, wanting to be uh, loved. Maybe that's the way it's put. And the other person says, yeah. Uh, And in their mind, they're going, so what do you need? You know, what do you want me to do? All you're saying is you want to be loved. And I've been doing everything I know to do, so now what? What do I do? Instead of saying, I need you to hold me. I need you to uh, just let me rest my head on your shoulder. Maybe let me cry on your shoulder, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But they make it cryptic, and then the dynamic almost starts to spin out of control. Well, I think there's in all of the books,
1: there's a mindfulness communication practice. And the mindfulness communication practice involves uh, for each individual. And, you know, right, we've already talked about we can't make someone else do this. Mm -hmm. But if I'm having a difficult communication, or if I know I'm probably going to have a difficult communication, I will usually stop. I will check in with myself. What am I feeling? What do I want? What do I need? We're usually pretty good about that. Sometimes we're not completely honest with ourselves about what we feel and want and need. The step that we're not usually so great about is stepping into the other person's shoes. So Once I've checked in with myself, I want to step completely out of my shoes and step into the other person's shoes. And I want to listen also maybe underneath the words um, for what do they feel, what do they want and what do they need. And if I'm in dialogue with someone, we'll come back to that in a minute. But if I'm just doing it by myself, then once I've made my best understanding of what I want, what I feel and want and need and what the other person feels and wants and needs, then I can look at solutions. And specifically, I want to look at solutions going back to our earlier conversation that are maybe different than solutions I've tried in the past. Now, if I'm in dialogue with someone, and especially if it's a heated dialogue, I can say, look, this has been heated, it's been a point of contention. And I really want to hear you. If that's true, I really want to understand you, I really want to work this out with you, again, only if it's true. And I want to hear how you feel and what you want, and what you need. And if you are in dialogue with that intention, and the person isn't being clear, or it just it's not clear to you, you can say, okay, I hear that you want to be loved. In this moment, what would that look like? So if it's not clear, like it's also super common um, for people to say, like, if someone says something that they feel is clear, but you feel isn't, rather than saying that's not clear, you can say that's not clear to me what do you want or need in this moment? And just because you mentioned it before, you want to make sure that in these settings that you're not repeating codependent patterns. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And and that's critical. You
1: know, if the person wants to be loved, there is a way where we see love as between two people, but also, what is the person doing to be loving to themselves? What is the person doing to be loving to you? Right? Like that request that you were talking about may be unidirectional when really it should be tri-directional. The person can for sure ask for love and you can check in with yourself and see if it feels healthy to give what they're asking that they're calling love. You can also inquire then, you know, are are you willing to love me? And, you know, this is what love looks like and feels like to me in this moment. And then both of you would want to be looking at um, what are you doing to be loving to your individual selves so that your I don't know. You're taking responsibility for some of
0: that. Uh, and I know that a lot of this is is not an easy thing to do for some folks because in some instances, they've <clears throat> uh, they've been I, the only word I can come up with is they've been trapped in this situation for a long period of time, and they're not a hundred percent certain that if I if I do this, it's going to help to you know, calm things down and even maybe even resolve the situation. Um, and, uh, and, and that's a challenge for folks. We, 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 put up the, we put up the shields, as I like to say. We put up the walls or the shields, if you will, in, in an effort to protect ourselves from getting hurt. But at the same time, there is a time and a place, isn't there, for being vulnerable? In other words, you're trying to resolve this, this drama. You're trying to <laughs> not necessarily bring it to an, a happily ever after scenario, but at least to, to bring down the, the energy and, and the volatility, shall we say.
1: Well, so it's interesting um, because I feel like there's a time and a place for everything and mindfulness is being able to wisely choose in each moment what you're doing. So there's a time and a place for really healthy, clear boundaries. There's a time and a place for, uh, it's, I was teaching last night to a group of athletes and some coaches and the coach one of the coaches said that he often walks into a situation with a wall up and that that's kind of his default and i said well let's look at that like you have the ch- the opportunity to maybe remove a brick on the wall or a layer of bricks on the wall or maybe in a certain like in your family or with a partner, maybe you want to take down the whole wall, or maybe you actually want to add some bricks and mindfulness to me is given the circumstances, making the wise choice about what's needed in the moment. So sometimes vulnerability is definitely called for sometimes vulnerability is really unwise and unhealthy. So you want to discern. And one of the interesting things I found is often my first instinct, I w- then I need to almost do the opposite. So if taking this coach again, his default is to walk in with his wall up. So he's been playing with over the last six weeks, coming in with his wall down. I on the other hand am pretty much ha- historically have been a wall down type of person and I'm finding that putting a wall, you know, even if it's just a little 1 foot garden wall up occasionally or uh like a true uh full, you know, 6 foot high wall that there's there's times and places for that. And so if you know your default then you probably want to lean towards what's not so natural to you. And we all have tendencies.
0: Well, I have to say that, that what you've just shared is extremely important for a lot of us, a lot of us who go through. I mean, I, I wish that I could have done the same thing uh, during the, the process of my first divorce because <clears throat> I don't think it would have gone on as long. But one of the things that... My uh, former wife said to me in this early day of, uh, the early days of the process was, "Well, you promised to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To which I responded, "All those promises went out the window when you got a lawyer. I mean that's just that's just where I was coming from. Uh, but I had an attorney who and uh, was interesting. she had a male attorney, I had a female attorney. And my attorney's slogan, which I absolutely love, and I wish she had stayed in the business, but she just couldn't do it anymore too much. It was just too volatile for her to deal with, I think, energetically. But her slogan was reasonable solutions for reasonable people. And I was trying to be reasonable. And the irony was when I had the consultation with her and I laid out the four elements that I was willing to, to put forth to bring this thing to a, a quick end, um she said, yeah, that looks, that looks good. You know, that looks very good. I think that, uh, I think that, 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 that will work just fine. And, um, nine months, eight months later, after $3,600 spent on my part, they accepted those four elements and I should have, I should have added. And if, uh, you accept the four elements that I have proposed at the end of all of this, you're going to pay my attorney's fees. And I thought, nah, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, Dr. Amy Saltzman's my guest here on "Tell Me Your Story: New Paradigms for a New World." I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I really do appreciate the folks—the fact that the fo- you folks—are with us here and sharing this time with us. And Dr. Amy, uh, this is uh, this is quite honestly—and uh, maybe I'm wrong—but quite honestly, this seems to me to be a lot of uh, very, very, uh, shall we say, textbook kind of stuff uh, that we need to be aware of. Uh, here in, in our time uh, because um, this, this whole situation is not going to be changing anytime in the near future, uh, at least as far as the the, the excuse me the dynamics that are out there and it may be because of the pandemic uh, and, and all of the things, the stressors that we've been under. Stress is, stress undermines us in so many different ways. Um, and obviously, mindfulness uh, can can certainly relieve a lot of that. Um, I, I often talk about how nature is our greatest teacher. And yeah, it's great to be out in nature and, and to commune with nature, whether it's the fauna or the flora, whichever you choose. But I don't think that that replaces um spending time in a particular, I want to put it this way, in a particular practice like mindfulness, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, ideally you can do both. So, um, you know, if you can do your mindfulness practice out at the beach or in your backyard, um, then it's a two for one. And, uh, but there is, there is value in whether it's a minute or five minutes or 10 minutes or 30 minutes of time just to be with yourself and to give yourself the space to know. And again, you know, whether you're an athlete or not, like, how's my body today? How's my mind today? How's my heart today? How's my connection with myself? How's my connection with others? How's my connection with something greater? Whatever that is. Um, You know, and if if you sit down and your mind is busy, then you have compassion about that. If you sit down and your body's fidgety, you have compassion about that. If you sit down and your heart is heavy, then you have compassion about that. And then usually, if you've given yourself that time, you are less likely to be reactive in your day to day life. And just like stress and difficulty can snowball, joy and peace can snowball. So if I sit in the morning and take some time for myself, then I'm less likely to have a nasty interaction with my plumber And if I don't have the nasty interaction with my plumber, then I'm less likely to have, you know, be short with a patient or a client. And then if that doesn't happen, then when I get home, I'm less likely to be short with my family. And so, you know, in the same way stress can build, peace can build.
0: Well, I'm excited about the prospects. For the future with people like you at the helm, so to speak, or at least uh, who are there available. The other key, though, is that an individual has to want the help. They have to get to that place where, yeah, I've gone as far as I can go on my own, and now I'm going to need somebody, in a manner of speaking, again, to avoid codependent relationships here, to hold my hand or to guide me forward not feeding me information necessarily, but just saying, okay, all right, here's what we're going to do. And you're going to do the work. All right. And I will be here, uh, you know, uh, right along with you, but you are the one that's going to have to do the work.
1: Well, and there's, I mean, obviously it's, it's a lot of what I do. There's definitely a time and a place to get a skilled professional to support yourself to support a loved one. And there's a place to say, I love you. I want to support you the way our dynamic is right now. I'm not able to do that. And the most loving thing I can do is say that we, you know, you or we need to get support from someone else because this isn't healthy.
0: Uh, But there's also the problem there in that kind of uh, conversation with um, the other person saying, but I don't need the help. You're the one that needs the help. Deflecting, basically.
1: Well, and you can say, great, we both need help. And here, like, let's do it together.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, you happen to be here in uh, Santa Barbara where we broadcast from, correct? I am. But you also do work with people outside the area.
1: any Anywhere via this lovely Zoom platform.
0: <laughs> it really is a lovely Zoom platform, and I am grateful that it is here and that we are able to uh, connect uh, in this regard. Uh, this is it's just fabulous uh, how uh, how life is um, life is the way that it is. It's just it's. It's uh, it's dynamic. I would hate for it to be static, although I will tell you that there are moments when I wish there was a little bit of sh- short-term, short-term stability, if you will, um, uh, because it just seems like uh, nowadays, and I'm not sure if this is something that you have experienced personally or through your clients, does it seem as though uh, here we are, the latter portion of 2021 going into the new year, 2022? which, by the way, I love uh, the fact that deuces are wild next year. <laughs> I'm sure that phrase is going to be used so much by so many people um, that it sort of feels a little bit like the wheels are coming off the cart.
1: I, don't, I think it's super individual. Okay. I mean, of course, because I'm in a helping profession, I tend to see folks who's either whose wheels are coming off the cart or who have the wisdom to know that they might, and they want to, um, be proactive in preventing the wheels from coming off the cart, or they just want to enhance their experience of joy and flow. And, you know, I serve all those people from wheels off to wheels on and how can I get the most out of this wild ride? Uh, And all of the the skills that we've been talking about apply to all of those settings. So again, mindfulness has been shown to decrease anxiety and depression, um, to increase sense of purpose and meaning, and to uh, increase the experience of joy and flow. So wherever you find yourself along that continuum, mindfulness is beneficial to um, supporting you.
0: This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. We're talking with Dr. Amy Saltzman, and she has a series of books, three books. It's, it's a series. <laughs> it's not a trilogy, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, it is three different books, uh, and it's a still, quiet place for, and in this case, I have in front of me the one on athletes, and I should be going through that as well. And, it, of course, all three books are dealing with mindfulness skills uh, as well for achieving a peak performance and uh, finding flow in sports. And life. And sports is sometimes a part of someone's life. Uh, matter of fact, when you were talking a little bit about that, I kept thinking, well, we're all athletes, maybe not physically, but this is a marathon. You know, and there is no there is no end until we choose or until we leave this earth. I myself am hoping that the, <clears throat> the mothership will come and take me away. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to escape the dynamics of life as, as we know it. It, it. it could be worse than I ever thought. Uh, but it would be different. And that's one of the things that I, uh, I said uh, when the pandemic was called and they decided to shut things down. I said, oh, we're doing something different. That means that when we get to the end of this, it's going to be different. You know, it ha- it's going to be. Now, whether we like it or not, that's a whole nother conversation. But the reality is... That it's going to be different. And speaking of which, maybe some of you who are watching the YouTube video, those of you who are not, aren't going to know about this. I'm going to actually swing around here and I'm going to show you folks on YouTube the scene that you're looking at is a beautiful lake and a Kildare Abbey uh, that is in uh, County Galway in Connemara in Ireland, where I was in 2004. And that is a place where. On the one hand, Dr. Amy, I would say, if I could just get there, all my problems would be solved. But I know you and I both know, and I want you to to elaborate on this, my problems go with me wherever I go until I deal with them.
1: Yeah, well, um, the father of modern mindfulness, at least in the U.S., uh is John Cabot Zinn and he has a book titled Wherever You Go, There You Are. Yeah. Um and yes, our our stillness and our thinking and our feeling, our habits and our possibilities go with us wherever we are.
0: Well, I am grateful uh, for your appearance here on this program, and glad that uh, we've had this therapy session. As we continue here on, tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I, uh, I do appreciate the work that you are doing. The books that you have available, you've got some video. I tra- matter of fact, I was looking at one of the video videos up on your website. <clears throat> You're actually doing some uh, movement actually ex- you're doing some exercises uh but i think that's more geared towards keeping moving you know uh yes it's okay as you've described earlier in the program to sit on the side of the road and stop walking towards the hole uh that's important but when we're going through um, the, the the challenges that we do in our lives that are stressing us and I think I've heard you say this on more than one occasion. We as individuals, we have to take care of self. Not in a selfish way, but just in a, a healthy way, right? That's is would you consider that to say be rule number one when dealing with life's stressors? Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the
1: adage of uh put your oxygen mask on first or um, fill your cup so you can overflow to others. When we practice self-care, then we have the reserves to care for and serve others. And when we practice self-care again, we're less likely to be reactive and more likely to be responsive And that's healthier for everyone involved.
0: Well, uh, again, uh, my thanks to you for being a part of the program here on Tell Me Your Story. I do have three final questions. I like to ask all of my guests here on the program, uh, which I will address to you in just a moment. But I want to remind you that uh, you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. The program is here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., as well as on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That is our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations on the internet. And we are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. And you can do that at Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the hat, okay? Just look for that guy because there is another Tell Me Your Story channel up on YouTube. Not the same, folks. you got to go to uh, the right one. Uh, The banner on our channel page is The Decade, 2020's The Decade of Perfect vision. And we hope that you will participate in that by going within to that still quiet place. And stillquietplace.com is our guest's website, Dr. Amy Saltzman. We also hope that if you can support us financially, we would really appreciate that. We have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. Just to put in my email address when you go to send, uh, it's richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. With that, I, uh, I love this part of the program, especially when we have returning guests. And I hope that we will have you back again to talk about uh, more of the work that you're doing, working with folks uh, as we continue moving through uh, this period of time in our history, uh, as we create that history. Uh, but uh, first of all, let me ask you, who is Amy Saltzman?
1: Um... First, Amy Saltzman is uh, a human being uh, with deep spiritual practice. And then my roles are holistic physician, mindfulness coach, author, wife, mother,
0: um, friend, and yeah. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
1: Yeah, I think I I hope I answered that one already, but I'll say it again. Preventing and relieving suffering, enhancing health and well-being, and supporting people and finding joy and flow in the midst of the chaos of daily life.
0: And at the risk of being redundant, what is your life's purpose?
1: That would be... No, I'll give you a new answer for that. It's okay to live and express the love that I am.
0: Excellent. Well, Dr. Amy Saltzman, I thank you once again. Stillquietplace.com is the website and a still quiet place for she's three books out there. We certainly hope that you will go to her website and find out more about the work that she is doing. And uh, again, we thank you for joining us here on the program and we thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, videocast love to lol.